Hey guys, welcome back to the show. My name is Lauren and this is Liam. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning in. You may have noticed that we're not actually live this Wednesday and that is because when you're watching this, we will just be getting back from Dallas. So hopefully by the time this is airing, you would have seen either some collaborations with us and other shows or us on some different Blaze shows, That's whatever right. it may be. So make sure you're following us on social media. All of my handles are at the Lauren Chen, at the Liam Donovan, just to That's see right. what we're up to. So we have a fun show today. First off, we're going to be talking about how the Church of Sweden, strangely enough, had to remove a piece of artwork depicting a gay Adam and Eve, but not for the reasons you're even thinking. It's just, it's a strange situation happening over there. Next, we're going to be going into mixed weight couples and the challenges that they face. Apparently, mixed weight couples is, is a thing now. Well, I mean, to me, it's always a thing because our weights are very different. Yeah. But that's, this is a whole other level. Yeah, you, you guys are going to see. Yeah. Uh, then Lily Allen was not having a good time after the British election results. We're going to be, I guess, doing some salt mining with that. And finally, Taylor Swift won Woman of the Decade or something similar, uh, an award. And she took the opportunity to rail against the patriarchy. Interestingly enough, not the most relatable speech I've ever heard, but that's the show for today. Before we get into it, though, I do have a quick message from ExpressVPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online, right? You've you've heard me talk about this enough by now. I hope you do. But did you know, and this will take your TV watching to a whole new level, that you can actually use VPNs to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. So over the weekend, I used ExpressVPN to binge watch Parks and Rec on American Netflix. You could also do things like check out Doctor Who, which is on the UK version of Netflix. It's super simple. You just fire up ExpressVPN, the app, change your location to the US, the UK, wherever the content is that you wanna be watching and uh, refresh, refresh Netflix and that's it. So ExpressVPN does this by hiding your IP address and unless you control where you want sites to think you're located, you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you'll be able to see. If you like anime, I personally don't, but everyone, you know, to each their own, you can actually use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix and be spirited away. Hope you, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it's not just Netflix, though. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, uh, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart, smart TVs, you name it. So if you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Lauren, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support the show, expand your viewing capabilities, protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash Lauren. Okay, so Church of Sweden. These are the same people just for everyone's reference that also I think at least one of their priests or I'm not sure what their leadership structure is. Uh, I think it's a shaman. <laughs> Essentially, right? I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Um, these are the same people where one of them declared that Greta Thunberg was the successor to Christ. Yes. Um, which is not part of the Bible that I remember reading. Really? Um, but I, I think there were... I think like, I read something about that in Revelations, actually. Yeah, maybe, actually. <laughs> you're probably not far from off. So, um, The latest headlines they're making is that they there was an Adam and Eve artwork that was controversial already. It ended up getting taken down, but not because it was too woke actually because it was not woke enough and 
As confusing as that sounds, we have an article about it here. This is as RT reports, quote, After two weeks of deliberation, a church in Sweden decided that a newly acquired LGBT-friendly painting was too problematic to serve as its altarpiece. Its depiction of Adam and Eve as two same-sex couples was not the issue. Okay, so just to, to clarify, maybe we can throw up an image of the actual piece of art itself. This piece of work had Adam with a gay partner and Eve with a lesbian partner. That brings up some qu questionable the theological problems. We're going to yes. get into that in just a sec. And but just the physical problems. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, come on. How does the rest of humanity happen? Yeah, very confusing stuff. Mm. Uh, the article continues, the St. Paul's Church in the southern city of Malmo, which, if memory serves, is also an especially diverse part of Sweden, I've heard of Malmo, mm. um, accepted the painting as its altarpiece on the first day of Advent two weeks ago. The artwork by Swedish photographer and artist Elizabeth Olsen Wallen was meant to symbolize inclusivity. Not not like God or Jesus or anything, just it's meant to symbolize Literally the altar of inclusivity. Yeah, like that's... Not, yeah exactly. God, goodness. Um, it predictably generated a lot of buzz, attracting both praise and controversy online. After... Praise from people that go to church, I'm sure. <laughs> Awesome. After analyzing the feedback, the church has decided to take down the painting and move it to a different location outside the altar room, Pastor Per Svensson revealed on Wednesday. Hopefully in a dumpster. <laughs> and no, it was not the reimagining of the biblical story of Adam and Eve as a tale of two nude same-sex couples in the Garden of Eden that pushed the church officials to move the painting. That part is completely uncontroversial, Svensson said. The pastor, however, had an issue with the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve to try the forbidden fruit. In the painting, it was depicted as a transgender person. The serpent traditionally symbolizes evil, and turning it into a transgender person can mean that a transgender person is evil or is the devil, Svensson explained. The Church of Sweden cannot stand by that. So, there's like a lot to unpack here to clarify. Uh, this altarpiece had Adam with a gay partner, Eve with a gay partner. That was hunky-dory. Church of Sweden saw no problem with that. But it was the fact that the serpent that tempted Eve, in order to be more inclusive, the, the uh, I guess, the artist depicted the, the snake as a trans person. Yeah. Which... I mean, to be fair, I'd want nothing to do with a trans person serpent either. <laughs> uh, I get it's it. It's very bigoted of you. I, I know. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the Church of Sweden was like, no, this is not inclusive enough. We have to get rid of it. Um, the Church of Sweden, I think it's safe to say, has issues, right? Yeah. I mean, and we're, we're entering the season of Advent, and the article specifically states that this was meant to represent inclusivity. Um, that is not the point of Christianity. Uh, if, if the Church of Sweden is going to at least nominally claim to be Christian, I, I think maybe it should kind of readjust where it's trying to put the focus on. Right. I, I mean, mean, I'm offended that they even use the term church. Right. To be honest, like there should be, it should be like a cult of Greta the, Thunberg the, or something the, like that. The pagan commune of right. Sweden. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Um, but as kind of frustrating as this is, and I, we asked people if they wanted to hear about this. A lot of people were like, I don't even care about Sweden anymore. It's too far gone. But this is important to talk about because we're seeing more and more that even um, churches in Canada, the US, the UK, like this so whole sort of social justice ideology is infesting Christian churches everywhere. And I think Catholics especially are dealing with this now with the Pope. And I think 
he's even saying that they might be adding like environmental sins or something like that to I don't know how Catholicism works, the catechism, something like that. And it's I think we're just seeing more and more churches are becoming of the world, right? We're we're using church to send and for all of the political and social issues of the day where, you know, I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure Jesus said to not do that, right? To to not just be of the world. And I, I, I think it is interesting how some some of these people have managed to restructure Christianity so that it aligns perfectly with like 2010s progressivism they they see and people like Pete Buttigieg are, are part of this um very very strange yeah I mean I, I don't think again I think these people are Christian second or third or fourth or fifth yeah you know and they are progressive first and they are just doing their best to incorporate that into Christianity yeah and I think it's important to ask like so what is the goal for doing this for having gay Adam and gay Eve like is it to further the gospel at all you remember that thing that christians used used to be concerned about probably not right it's to pander to an lgbt lobby and and don't get me wrong i think that christianity is for everybody the bible is for everybody that's kind of like the message um but it at the same time is not a you're perfect the way you are everyone hold hands kind of religion like uh, christianity does have like rules of right and wrong there are moral absolutes and i feel like in the name of inclusivity and diversity these churches have kind of formed it into something completely different it's just like it's a it's a love yourself first it's a whatever you feel right you go and head go ahead and do it type of religion it's like okay if you actually read the bible though jesus doesn't really view view those things too fondly um and uh, never mind that but as you (laughs) mentioned like there are adam and eve right in christian tradition were the forebears uh, of the human race, right? Yeah. Um, and they had Cain and Abel. If Adam and Eve both have their same-sex partners, I don't... What's happening? Well, I guess they could educate us and tell us that even though they are of the same sex, or I don't even understand it. I can't pretend to understand it anymore, but men can have kids too, Lauren. That's yeah, all that's saying. true, right? So, so maybe Adam... Adam and Bob. Wait, hang on. No, maybe Adam identified as a woman... Yeah. And so that Eve was still a lesbian, but just happened to be in a gay relationship with a trans woman who is right. a. Yeah. So, so Adam was Trisha Paytas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So who knows? Um, and as, as kind of like hilarious as it is to laugh at Sweden, I'm all, all for that. We saw a similar headline or at least similar themed headline not too long yeah. ago from a church in California. We have this from The Guardian as they report. A nativity installation depicting Mary, Joseph, and Jesus separated in cages has caused a stir in a Southern California city a few hundred kilometers from the U.S. border with Mexico. The installation shows Joseph and Mary in separate cages facing a cradled baby, Jesus, in a cage with Joseph's arms outstretched towards him. It was posted to Facebook by the Reverend Karen Ristine, oh, a woman reverend, of course, of the Claremont United Methodist Church and has been shared more than 20,000 times. Okay, so we're going to get to the the politics of this but again like biblically jesus was not a refugee right this is a very common talking point we've seen emerge. a little bit of revisionist history going on yeah like they were going back for the census of the country he was born in yeah so that's that's not a refugee right you're no. going back because you have been called back uh jesus was not a refugee um Adam was not in a gay love affair. No, this is this is not a thing. Um, and again, with this, like, what 
we're, we're supposed to be kind of celebrating the birth of Christ in this Christmas season with this installation. Are, are you trying to do that or are you trying to make a political message? You're very clearly trying to make a political message, right? Which I think is very disrespectful to the season of Advent. Not that you can't do it, but trying to subvert the Christmas message and say, hey, here's my political topic thing of the day. And you're also, you're completely twisting what actually happened in the Bible to do so. No, that, that that's not okay. Um, if you are a Christian who goes to church, I would be very careful about the type of things that are being taught by your pastors. And I think these people, yeah. it, it, it's funny because they, they say, oh, you know, but we as Christians, we need to carry out a message of like Christ's love and understanding to the world. Again, it's funny how that happens to align perfectly with progressivism because you you never see people making these kind of loud, ostentatious declarations about Jesus specifically, which is, is very curious to me. And I, I, I don't know why all of their, I don't even want to call it proselytizing because it's not, it's activism that's masquerading as religious work. I I don't know why you don't put this same sort of figure into talking about what Jesus actually said. Um, And and the funny thing is they're trying so hard to pander to this progressive audience. At the end of the day, they're never going to, like you're not going to make people convert to Christianity like this. Even your diluted, um, perverted version of it, um, they're still, these progressives, the the far left types, they're still never going to embrace any type of, so it's like, why why pander to people who are going to hate you anyway? And I think that's very, especially true with the Catholic Church. Like of all the kind of concessions the Pope has made, the Catholics are the first Christians that progressives are more than happy to throw under the bus. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it seems to me that this religious outreach towards the progressive left is, is suicidal. Yeah, really, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I think some of them are even worse than that. They are bad faith. There are people that become pastors or I've seen people, women even try to become priests yeah. in order to subvert them. In fact, where I went to high school once, we actually had a someone who was training to be a priest uh, come as a teacher and ultimately he got kicked out of, of the seminary, I guess it would be, mm-hmm. uh, because he was actually a gay man who was going to try to lobby uh, the church to allow gay marriage or something along those lines. Yeah. And I, I think like, obviously we should all be kind of engaged in and hope for the best of what path our church is going. But I think anytime we're, we're advocating for any type of change, um, we need to ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Are we doing this to kind of better align ourselves with the vision of the church that's presented in the Bible? Or are we doing this to further our own desires, our own wants, our own political motivations. Um, you know, the w- women in the church is this whole other conversation. If you guys aren't subscribed to Ali Stuckey, you really need to. She has an amazing podcast episode about this, but it's like, are, are you saying this because you think it's what God wants and it'll help reach more people? Or are you doing this specifically because you want more power, you want to push your agenda, agenda whatever it may be? I, I very much suspect with these people as the latter. In any case, though, uh, before we get to the next segment, I have another message from our lovely friends over at FreedomWorks, and actually very topical. It's about socialism, which I think a lot of these churches would be all too happy to implement, because did you know Jesus was a socialist? Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought I've heard that. Yeah. Or something, also Jesus was a Marxist, something yeah, along those it, lines, you know. Exactly. Um, there's actually, this is going back on, t- on the subject, but there's a, 
I think a Netflix comedy special that is saying that Jesus is a gay man. Oh, that's so, right. That's coming out soon. Mm -hmm. yeah. All of those things. And yet they still won't like him. It's funny. Um, so no, socialism is a failed ideology that's failed everywhere it's been tried. But sadly, socialism is growing in popularity with the Democrats. Bernie Sanders and AOC are self-described socialists and Elizabeth Warren is one too, even though she doesn't want to admit it. But have you ever wondered just how radical these presidential hopefuls and their policies really are? Well, thankfully, my friends over at FreedomWorks have answers to these questions. They've put together a socialist scorecard evaluating where these presidential candidates stand on the issues of the day. If you'd like to check it out, just text Lauren, that's my name, Lauren, to 52886, and you'll receive exclusive access to FreedomWorks' socialist scorecard. At times, it can seem like socialism is just a buzzword the right throws around. I know I certainly feel like that too. No, not every single government program means we're going down the road of socialism, um, but, but it is important for each of us to critically examine the policies that are being put forward, examine and evaluate the candidates for ourselves. And FreedomWorks has spent a lot of time analyzing these specific policies of the people who are running against President Trump. I've looked it over personally, trust me, it's, it's really good. And if you would like to view it too, please text Lauren, again, that's my name, Lauren, to 52886, and you'll receive exclusive access to FreedomWorks Socialist Core card right now. All right. So mixed weight couples. Had you heard that term before? This is new to me. No, I mean, it, it is, I think, a bad term, like I said. Yeah. You know, I do weigh twice as much as you, but we're, yeah. not, we're not a mixed weight couple. Maybe we are. Uh, I'm, am I the fat one? You are a know, feeder, wait, just on, to wait. be fair. <laughs> she is a feeder, just I do so like you know. to feed him. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe they're like mixed BMI couples. Mixed BMI couples. Yeah. yeah we're getting, Again, like, I don't like the BMI, but hey. Yeah, we're I'm, getting I'm splitting hairs. We're getting very specific, but it's like I kind of keep up with all this fat acceptance positivity movement thing, and I had never even heard of this, so I was surprised. Oh, I think I they're a pretty easy bunch to keep up with, to be fair. True. Um, so TLC has a new show that's going to be premiering soon in January, and it's causing quite the stir. The trailer for it, I guess, was released this week. It's called Hot and Heavy. Which, by the way, is a great title for what this is, but is part of why people are mad. Basically, it's a reality TV show that looks into mixed weight couples. Uh, if you don't know what those are, you're, you're not alone. Uh, again, one partner is heavier than the other is kind of, I guess, what they're going for. Um, here's part of the trailer that people so far are not keen on. This season on Hot and Heavy. My mom told me that it would be difficult to find love if I was heavy. I'm actually nervous. I always had this idea that like I didn't deserve love because of what I looked like. 329.4. So for people who are on the audio only platforms, um, the important takeaway there and what we've just seen is that this show seems to only be focusing on women as the heavier ones in the couple. Yeah. All the people we've met so far in the trailer are women and when I say they're heavier, they're like, they're full on obese. This is not kind of, oh, you know, my girlfriend oh, yeah. has some love handles. This is like, I think one of them, the, the scale said 330 pounds and she right. was one of the smaller women that was touched upon. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're, if you are on the audio only platform, you can hear the narrator. Like she is fat. You can hear the fat. You can hear it. Yeah. You can, you can I've noticed that is a thing. Sometimes you can hear that. So I, I don't yeah. understand why that is. Well, the worst is if, I don't if, know if it's because the weight is pressing down. It's pro on the probably vocal some constriction cords. going down uh, on the vocal cords there. But the worst is like when someone has a microphone and they're, they're heavy and you could hear the mouth breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, is... that infamous TED talk about that, that fat activist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah she That's... was breathing very heavily. Actually, very sad. Yeah. Um, I think she died of a heart attack. 
Not surprising though, but I'm uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so some people just based on that have called this series exploitative, right? Um, I don't think that's necessarily fair though. Like, I, I do have stuff to say about this series, but I don't mm. think just because someone's obese and you're filming them, you're necessarily exploiting them. I mean, I guess no. it's going to depend on how like they're portrayed. I, I don't want anyone to be no, made fun of. Come on, this is this is reality TV. Everything's this, everything is yeah. scripted too. It's like these people all agree to it, and then they go and act out these scenes to some degree. Yeah. Like you know, uh, you, you could hear people talk about it. They'll they'll shoot a scene multiple times. Like, oh, what's behind this door? I've already done this scene before, but yeah. I did a bad job the first time. So no, and sometimes you can tell with reality TV shows, like they'll. It'll, It'll be the surprise thing, but you're getting like two different camera angles and one of the camera guys is already in the room and it's like, come on, come on. That doesn't happen naturally. Um, yeah. So the next part of the trailer, we meet their boyfriends, the skinnier guys who are dating these ladies. I think every girl hopes they're going to get a hunky husband. So I totally hit the jackpot. I absolutely love Kristen's size. I wouldn't mind if she was a little bit bigger. Adriana is the hottest woman I've ever seen in my life. You look so manly. <laughs> How do I look? You look amazing. I love every inch of joy. There's a lot of inches to love. Again, for our podcast listeners, and just so you know, we are on like every single podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, just yeah, throwing that out there. That's true. Um, the weight differences here in these couples it's extreme, right? So, like, these women are obese and their boyfriends look like regular guys, just kind of, like, not even chubby guys, just fully, like, probably yeah, dudes, healthy you know. guys. Um, and I, first off, kind of an encouraging note, I think it does go to show that there's some someone for everyone out there, right? Like, no matter what you look like, there's going to be someone out there who thinks you are beautiful, who thinks you are the bee's knees, so... Absolutely. I mean, listen, if you're an incel or a femcel, yeah. all you got to do is look at this video and take hope. Yeah. No, f seriously. But even like, not just for like morbidly obese people, like I watch a lot of those um, kind of like medical Marvel shows where it's like, oh, I was born with like a conjoined twin or like just of, yeah, yeah issues. He knows what I'm talking about. Most of those people who go on those shows have significant others and they interview their significant others. So it's like, I seem to recall know. a conjoined twin and then like when she wanted to ha have intimate time with her partner, yeah. they had to do, they had to do something weird. Yeah. So it's like if, if the conjoined twin can get a boyfriend, if the 400 pound woman can get a boyfriend, there is no reason why you can't get a boyfriend. So feel good about that. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't mean to sound like mean here, but I think it's safe to say that if, if those guys wanted to, they they could get someone more conventionally attractive, right? Because those aren't, they're not bad looking guys. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. In my opinion, you you can't get much lower on the totem than they've picked. So. Well, I mean, but the, I think, it'd be, like, they really do think these women are beautiful, right? And I kind of yep. seems like it might be a fetish. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, like, no, that one no... guy especially saying, like, I think she could be even bigger. And it's like, oh, there's a little bit of a, maybe a chubby chaser thing going on. Well, I've, I've also heard things where people, men have done that to, to women and, and literally, like, <laughs> put their health at risk and yeah. killed them. To the point where some of these women are suing their, their feeder, you <laughs> yeah. know. It, it's, uh, I don't, I mean, I think this is, like, wholly degenerate behavior. Like, even if, even if they are attracted to, to the women, let's be honest, they're, they're taking their 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 sexual pleasure and putting it above their, their, their significant other's health. Yeah. Which is disturbing to me greatly, especially if they do it when they're not just on a day-to-day -day basis, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think, like, if these people are in love 
and they treat each other right and they want the same things in life like why not i'm not here to like crap on their relationships but uh the last part of the trailer finishes off talking about some of the struggles that these couples face and i think the the health component is definitely relevant to that conversation if you want a child you should have the gastric bypass surgery no, i'm not no. down with surgeries and I all that love crap it, you just want to keep me fat the chips you were like the first person to ever like point out my weight in front of people throughout high school this guy was bullying me like you're gonna blame everything on me I'm not a violent person. If I have to protect her, I will with pleasure. I'm gonna propose to Joy. What about her weight issue? Did you get the impression that they have any reservations about me because of my size? Sometimes I wonder if love is enough. I will say I do think it's kind of strange how controversial this is being painted. I mean, like, it's... It's just reality TV. They're just trying to get you to watch. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I think it is fair to say that if my friend or a family member was dating someone who was like that much larger. Like I, again, if I think there are more important things than looks, but from a health perspective, like if you want kids, it's very concerning. Yeah. yeah, You're going to want to choose a partner who's going to be around for the long haul and is kind of capable of helping you in the day to day of running around with kids. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm not going to feed you. It's not just, no, it's not just feeding. I'm not going to eat until I'm like 400 pounds either. Don't worry. We'll see. We we all heard last week. We all heard last week about the pregnancy trap. (laughs) Okay. So listen, everybody here is on the same page as me. Yeah. Uh, But also um, if you're someone who just enjoys being really active, like hiking, swimming, um, going places that are not accessible via those scooter things, it, it is something something to talk about. And so, I mean, I guess we we don't know what the dynamics is with those relationships, but I, I personally, like, I don't, I wouldn't mind dating someone overweight. I think that I would probably say no to someone who is like morbidly, morbidly obese, but I, I wouldn't look at a, a heavier guy and think like off limits, but I would hope that they would be, I guess, in the process of or interested in losing weight for their own health. Like, I, I don't think I would feel comfortable if my partner was just like, yeah, I'm 400 pounds and this is just my life. This is how I am forever. Well, it's just a bad indication of many character traits, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, it's I, I think it's wholly unacceptable to be almost overweight at all. You know, and, and I mean, a lot of us do get overweight from time mm, to time. And yeah. some of us are overweight for long periods of time. It's a very tough battle with our, it is, yeah. our current society just just the kind of foods that we eat yeah and it's even if like this i'm not someone who's really ever been overweight but i do have my own struggles with like eating healthy because sometimes i I, it's not that i'm necessarily like overweight i'll I'll gain like a couple pounds but i know just how i feel and from what i'm eating i'm eating crap and that's still your body yeah it's just bad fuel for your body and even if it's not affecting your weight necessarily it will affect your energy output it will affect things many things in your body um so yeah i mean i just i think Eating healthy, is, it's important. Yeah, sure. It's not always easy to do. But also at the same time, if you really think about it when you want to eat those foods and you're like, yeah, just hit me with the cheesecake. I love cheesecake. Trust me. Um, you're putting mouth pleasures above everything else at that moment. Like literally, I don't like that's the, it. I don't like the phrase mouth pleasure. And you know what? That's good. Yeah. Because that's what I'm going to keep saying. <laughs> it's like, how's that mouth pleasure treating you? Because at the end of the day, that that's what it is. It's all about like yeah, literally sen- this, this one sensation. It's pleasure over it's, health. Yeah, it's gluttony. Yeah, it is no, gluttony. It is. That's fair. Um, and I, 
I mean, this is about relationships, right? These people's relationships, not just their weight. And so I yeah. hope that they, I think it is nice they found people that they love and they're happy with. I don't want them to break up or anything, but I, and I will just say that I feel like when you're dating people, there's kind of like, you have an overall score that can be divided into categories, right? You have like your look score, uh, like your personality, humor, intelligence, like career ambitions. And it's like, you can be deficient in certain categories and still be an overall catch. Right. So like I don't want to talk down to these women too much like they might have like be super funny, um, educated, great personalities, good career ambitions. They might be really good moms. Potentially. At the same time, they're on a reality TV show. I don't know how much of those. That's apply. true. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say that I have seen relationships where like the other person is deficient in all categories. And yeah. that's just like, what are you doing? Um, anyway, this, se this series doesn't premiere until January, so we'll see if people are still mad about it when it actually releases and when it premieres. I feel like this might be like a good combination, though. They're smart to do this. We're talking about this is like a free ad for them um, where it, it might be the perfect mix of like, I'm disgusted and outraged, but I want to watch it so I can be disgusted and outraged, which is essentially the, the basis for reality TV. All right, so before we move on to our next segment, we have a message from Ashford University. Ashford University is higher education at your own pace. It is a WSCUC accredited institution that offers innovative online de degree programs that can help you achieve your higher education goals. Their flexible scheduling provides students with the opportunity to achieve higher education goals while still balancing things like work, home, family, and life. So higher learning is now more accessible than ever. You can gain skills you can use in your job now and not Knowledge that prepares you for the job market tomorrow. So why is Ashford University so awesome? Well, I'll tell you, it's convenient and flexible. Uh, the online courses allow you to study wherever you're most comfortable learning. You can do it at home coffee shop, a library, wherever. You can also take one course at a time. Ashford University's classes are six weeks long, so you can take one course at a time and being enrolled in one class at Ashford does make you a full-time student. Um, you don't need the GRE, GMAT, or any other standardized test scores to apply and enroll, and it is fully accredited again by WASC College Commission. New opportunities are right around the corner. Now's the time to start earning your master's degree, so enroll now by going to ashford.edu slash Lauren. That's Ashford ashford.edu slash lauren to start your master's degree today again ashford.edu slash lauren i took a ton of online classes while i was getting my bachelor's and it's so exciting that they now have entire master's degree programs that can be done online um, so definitely take advantage of that so the uk election was this past week and there was an enormous win for the country's conservative party and like i just want to say that it's really interesting we were talking about this how the u.s 2016 huge unexpected conservative win um the first Brexit vote, I think, was a part of that. Australia recently had an election and their conservative faction ended up being a lot more successful than people were assuming or yeah. in some cases hoping for. The only like Anglo country where we've actually kind of seen the opposite happening is Canada. Stop. I Stop know. It. It's sad, though. But it's uh, that experience and how we've just suffered an election defeat, I think, is going to be useful insight in, in this story. Because I think we're handling it a lot more, a lot better than Lily Allen currently is. Okay, mm. so we're going to be talking about this election loss from the eyes of a crying celebrity because it, it's just funnier that way. Lily Allen, she's a singer. I'm not really familiar with her stuff. I just hear about her being in the news because of politics. Yeah, I remember enough. some of her stuff back like when I was younger, like, yeah. you know, in the early 2000s. I remember some of her stuff, but I don't, I, I haven't heard of her since. So, but apparently she's still big in the UK. Yeah. All right. Well, she, I mean, I know she's, uh, she's been in the news for before for like crying over refugees in a good way. Uh, and mm -hmm. she's 
been a huge supporter of the Labour Party previously, and we have a clip of this, she's actually, she put out a video of herself crying on TikTok because the Labour Party manifestos was, I guess, just so dang good. She was like moved to tears because of it. We have that clip. <laughs> So pretty big labor supporter, I guess. Yeah, you could and, say. and we want to reiterate that that is literally called their manifesto. Yeah, yeah, that's and not that's... me being like a, a jerk and trying right. to badmouth them. They they literally released their platform and chose to call it their manifesto. Yeah. Now, what I would like to see is some kind of video editing going on where they either put like the Unabomber manifesto or yeah. uh, some well, other manifesto in front of her, you know? From a messaging standpoint, if nothing else, like especially if your party is constantly dealing with accusations of anti-Semitism and like being called literal communists, why would you be like, yeah, let's, let's put out a, a manifesto. And actually I went onto their site, the Labour Party site, so I could read this manifesto and they, wait, they describe it as, quote, our manifesto is the most radical, hopeful, people-focused, fully-costed plan in modern times. Like, why would you describe your manifesto as radical? Like, do you not, this is why you lost, essentially, is what I'm trying it's to say. It's an important piece. Uh, it's called My Struggle. Yeah, it's, it's just like, goodness. You know, yeah. yeah. Why, why would you do this? And I think it's just that whole mentality I think a lot of a lot of ways they try to cater to this far left activist class that is so popular online, but just not representative of the rest of the country. Um, and, and I think it's kind of in a way what Democrats in the United States are doing right now. I, I hope it works out just as well for them as it did for the Labour Party. Yeah. Um, also, the Labour Party wanted a second referendum, which is something that is not popular. A lot of people are saying in a way this election itself was a second referendum for Brexit and people kind of made their voices be heard. And right. Yeah. Um, so in any case, as we saw with the Trump win and the conservative win in Australia, once this election news broke, left-wingers, particularly Allen, were not happy. And uh, here's what the Daily Mail had to say about it. They wrote, quote, after the exit poll predicted Labour's worst performance at the ballot box since the 1930s, the 40-year-old defiantly tweeted, still holding out for a Labour majority. But as the party's red wall began to crumble, that's how, like, you shouldn't have a red wall. That does not sound good at all. Um, it became clear that the party was doomed. She began unloading a spool of anti-conservative tweets. On Instagram this morning, she posted an image of a sad face emoji and wrote, some say it was Brexit, some say it was Jeremy, personally, and I know no one wants to hear it. I think that racism and misogyny runs so, so deep in this country and that Boris won because of his attitude toward those things and not in spite of them. The pop star, who has been singing Labour's praises throughout the campaign, earlier suggested conservative supporters voted for kids to die with no health care. She also implied their motives for switching behind the Tories were to have less brown people in the UK. Alan retweeted a post which read, vote for your kids to die with no health care and less brown people. But the joke is capitalism needs cheap foreign workers to exploit, so it will never reduce immigration. So joke's on you. All right, so some salt there. Oh, it's tough. It's tough because you know that people like her have the same voting power as people that are reasonable. Yeah. That's that's always something that's difficult for me to wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I love democracy, but that is that is definitely a problem with the system. I know? like democracy. I think democ. I mean, I, I view the the democracy the same way the founding fathers did, right? It's it's majority rule. I think constitutional republic. Yeah. Okay. Well, government. what I mean democracy, I just mean the ability to vote as a, as a yeah. person. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, but I, I yeah I, 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 I agree. I'm not talking about direct democracy. Yeah. In like in that. in my yeah. everyday life, I often regret that. Certain people have the same amount of control over government. It's crazy. And most often I have that thought when I'm driving. Yeah, yes. Definitely. You have many thoughts like that while you're driving. All right. So and they usually come from the hindbrain as well. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, obviously, it's upsetting if to, to lose an election, right? That you're so emotionally invested. And like I said, we mm. just experienced that. Yeah. But that was disheartening. What you, what you don't do is start calling everyone in your country a racist, a bigot, a misogynist. Like, I hate the Liberal Party here, but I think a lot of the people who voted for them, um, honestly, maybe they were voting because it's the status quo. It's the same. It's safe. You don't want too many changes. Maybe you personally like Trudeau. Uh, maybe some of the, I guess, the gimmies he was offering you were good. Maybe you're just not or that interested. Or if you're just, like, uh, if you're in Quebec and you're just a loser, you voted for the Quebec uh, oh, party. Oh, yeah, the separatist party. They, yeah. they, they exploded this election i was just like please get out of my country like, and they want to they're trying exactly to. get out of my country and get out of my country please they and go bankrupt yeah. like within a few years um so yeah i mean like obviously you're not going to agree with the people who voted for the like the opposition party but that doesn't mean you have to hate them and i think yeah. that's what we saw there's just there's so much vitriol and and hatred and it's frustrating to think that so many people like Lily Allen because this isn't just Lily Allen. Look at someone like Jeremy, or sorry, like like Boris Johnson, who like let's face it, by American standards, is still a like a lefty. I mean, the the UK is like is like yeah. Canada, like their conservative party is still pretty centrist, right? We're not talking far. Yeah, I mean, right again, we're like talking that. about like a whole. We're talking about a, a poor way of framing it. Like yeah, the left right dichotomy is kind of. You know, but anyway, he's there's not... also the authoritarian scale and what have you. That, that which I think is where a lot of Americans get their further right wing stuff. Mm -hmm. But but he, yeah. Jeremy, or dang it, Boris Johnson is what I'm trying to say. Is not some no. like Mussolini figure. He's not no, even a Trump esque not. figure. So to to see them, have although they, such they think of him that way, the, the Labour Party does as well. But the thing is, as we've noticed before, progressives, the way that they think of their the conservative counterparts is. Very uncharitable. They mm. assume the You're absolute evil. worst. Yeah. As, like, it's a bad faith they're argument. They're racist. Through through. Yeah. yeah, they're you know, there's no other explanation for it. It's not like you know they they don't they don't see the merits of their arguments in the slightest. And I think it's especially interesting to see someone like Lily Allen raging at like, oh, you just hate brown people. It's like, well, there are actually real economic impacts and cultural impacts that people are feeling with this whole yeah. wave of immigration somewhat things that i think someone like lily allen who probably lives in a very nice gated community who obviously has job security has like a, a pop star doesn't have to worry about so to look at you know the white working class people and say you voted for less immigration because you want you hate brown people i think that's very very unfair it's like you're just oh, you're absolutely out of touch. It's by, you know someone that doesn't a lower class person would be very well incentivized to not want lower income people coming to the country because the they're, they're going to compete exactly. for jobs that are already going to come for jobs, scarce. compete for housing. Yeah. I guess the labor yeah. rebuttal for that was like, I think they on their manifesto, they had like a guaranteed housing plan and yeah. it's like, oh, and, and, and Lily Allen's were something in the range of 15 million pounds. I think I yeah. saw. So, I mean, she just can't relate to that. They're so far from reality. Same mm -hmm. thing happens with the Hollywood elite here in, in America or yeah. down in America, I should say. Um, yeah, they're just, they, they, they function on these utopian ideals. Yeah. They, 
they're comfy in gated communities and they'll spit on you for trying to vote in your best interest. And again, I'm not even saying they need to agree with you on that, but to assume it's because of bigotry is just, it's ridiculous. And actually, as soon as this election news broke, what we also saw was the Independent published a piece on how to leave the UK after it was announced that that uh, Johnson won. So like we, we saw this with all the celebrities in 2016 saying, I'm moving to Canada. None of them did as oh, far as man. I can tell. You know what? I, I really, now I'm just having like this amazing dream where Bernie won and then we had articles like that about Canada. Yeah. So how to leave, how Canada. To leave Canada. And then they actually left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, be, but the, perfect. This is what I, I was joking about it on Twitter. It was like 80% a joke, 20% serious. Like, are we becoming too polarized in our politics where we're not yeah. happy to where, where there's not going to be any political figure that's going to make most people happy right because i think obviously there's room for some kind of disagreements but i think we may be at a place now where it's like we're too well, our too, beliefs are too different and I, and I mean i'll be honest with you and i, I think that you know we're giving our, our side the benefit of the doubt but it seems like to me most places, right-wingers are far more likely to be willing to talk about these things than left-wingers are. Yeah, for That's sure. my view, at least. I know that I'm biased because I happen to be in one of the camps, but that's my inclination. It seems like the left have no tolerance for anything else, and, mm-hmm. and that's but what's I, I don't most think that's just your bias. We see this in, in the U.S. We're trying to talk about things like um, immigration, right? It's there's They're saying no, like no border wall, abolish ICE. These people are not willing to compromise. And I think I, ideally the whole idea of different states was the idea that people could have whatever politics they wanted within those states and they could move around yeah. wherever. But we see this growth of like federalism yes. where we no longer in the individual provinces or the individual states I don't know what's happening in the UK, but we don't have that kind of freedom to determine how our own communities live anymore. There's this huge top-down approach. So, yeah. I mean, I was kind of joking that, all right, communists, you can go to Canada, red pill people, we get America, moderates, you can hang out in the UK. I gave the libertarians Australia because there's like a lot of scary animals there and they have guns. So I think they'd manage fine. Um, and yeah, that was mostly a joke, but I, I am kind of worried that we we're approaching a point where our political views are just so divergent because we're no longer kind of coalescing around what our neighbors believe because of online communities for better or worse. Like we're able to find like-minded people everywhere around the world. So it's kind of like we're, we're all sectioning off. It's funny to me personally, seeing these celebrity spaz attacks, but it's concerning because there are so many people all over the co- different countries that are, are facing the same kind of political frustration. I don't think it's good for them. I don't think it's good for the country. Um, are they going to actually, we, we've seen evidence of this. Um, there are some people are already blaming Russian election interference on the conservative win. I don't know. Right, if Russia maybe. was that powerful, we've we've already lost. Yeah. You know, Putin's picking all the leaders of all the Western <laughs> yeah. nations. Like uh, at this point, like just roll up the Rus- the, the Russian flag here in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not the rea- it's not the reality of the situation. It's obviously just Yeah, I hope not, but I, I, I don't know if we're gonna be seeing any kind of detente on this kind of rhetoric lately. Um, we're going into twenty twenty, so unfortunately, yes, we'll, it's gonna get worse. Yeah. All right, so our final segment, we are talking about Miss Taylor Swift. Um, and just, I want to say that I like Taylor Swift's music. I just want to, I don't want to be too mean to Taylor Swift because I, I like her songs. And um, some of the most rabid fans are Swifties. I remember I tweeted something about, she made some vapid political comments about like, if you're a Democrat, let's all just go shopping. It, it was not good. Um, and then like, there was like a horde of what I, I'm assuming are like 14 year old girls who were just not happy. Um, and actually it was 
I was kind of laughing because I had some of my followers arguing with like Taylor Swift GRL fan power three six nine hard. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is this is a child. You well, are just leave him alone. Listen, I got to give credit to the Lauren Army for stepping up to the plate. Yeah, you even guys even are against the the most atrocious the of armies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys are you have more patience than I do. Anyway, so she was just honored with a the Billboard Decade Woman of the Decade Award. I don't know what that is, but it's apparently yeah. a, a big award, huge privilege. And she gave her acceptance speech. She she did not come off as the most relatable person. Here she is giving her acceptance speech after being named woman of the decade. Like She's like one of the best selling artists of all time. She was very intent on playing the victim and kind of bashing patriarchy it was very strange and i think this is kind of like the final evolution of taylor swift for the longest time she was one of the few pop stars where it's like all right you're not going to get political thank you right because yeah. we have that from everyone else we don't need it from taylor swift i get I, within the last year though it's the, the the opposite she's like fully flipped she's talking about glad and now patriarchy democrats the election it's yeah this this speech was, I think, the worst example we've seen so far. Here's a clip of it. I saw that as a female in this industry, some people will always have slight reservations about you. Whether you deserve to be there, whether your male producer or co-writer is the reason for your success, or whether it was a savvy record label, it wasn't. I saw that people love to explain away a woman's success in the music industry. So she is up there accepting this huge award. And I, I thought it was strange that instead of kind of focusing on thanking all the people who, who have helped her and how great this, she, she really chose to focus on her haters and like everything that's tried to keep her down. Yeah. And it was, it was, I guess, a different approach than I would have taken. And, like, and to my male producers, I got here to spite you. Yeah, you exactly. Know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I would never say that Taylor Swift despite all of her success, hasn't faced struggles because I think it's unfair to say, oh, you're rich, you've had it easy. I, well, I, course, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I do find it interesting that like the thing she mentions there, like, is that really specific to female? That's what I'm saying like, is you're looking at that through artists, a lens of, of feminism, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like to me, I would think the same thing of Justin Bieber winning male record of the year. Yeah. You might think that, wow, this guy, you know, probably a manufactured celebrity. I think it's fair to say That's that about any about celebrity, it. someone's going to have a, yeah. like, does this person really deserve to be there? How much of their own stuff are they responsible for? It, it doesn't yeah. seem like that's an exclusively, like, female criticism to have. So it's just Only through strange. the lens of feminism do you yeah. see the world that way. You know, only through the lens of feminism do you watch that Star Wars episode and you say, I haven't seen a woman in the first 19 minutes. I was liking this until I realized yeah, that. Yeah, and it's just strange because they're, again... This is Taylor Swift we're talking about. Like she has reached levels of success that so many male yes. people would love to reach. And kind of instead of talking about struggles specifically as an artist, she has chosen to frame this all as this huge feminist struggle. And it's like I don't make fun of me for saying this, but it, it reeks of white feminism, yeah. <laughs> like which is actually I think a valid term here. Like you are a privileged person. I'm not saying again, you've had struggles, absolutely, but you're trying to like co-op this language of I'm oppressed because I'm a woman, but it's like, honey, I don't know how how genuine that's coming across. And she, like this was, her speech was 15 minutes. I did listen to all of it. 
felt a lot longer than 15 minutes. Um, but we have another clip here. And again, she's just hammering this whole feminism point. You know, her speaking isn't very good, I would say, either. Well, I think that's fair it's to say. Right, she's, know, a, um, she's a singer. Yeah, but, I you know, don't yeah, expect it to. And I, I strongly suspect that maybe this is just me hating women. She had help writing that speech. <laughs> when Fearless did win Album of the Year at the Grammys, and I did become the youngest solo artist to ever win the award, with that win came criticism in backlash in 2010 that I'd never experienced before. All of a sudden, people had doubts about my singing voice. Was it strong enough? Was I a little bit pitchy? All of a sudden, they weren't sure if I was the one writing the songs because sometimes in the past I had had co-writers in the room. This is just what happens to a woman in music if she achieves success or power beyond people's comfort level. Okay, so she's not a relatable figure. I think it's safe to say. As after I was given this huge honor album, the youngest person ever, by the way, um, you know, people, they were just coming for me. They were coming for me hard, said my singing was pitchy, mentioned that I had co-writers. It's because this is what happens when women succeed. Like, yeah, I mean, way to find, like, I don't even, there's an expression for that. Finding, like, the, the bad in, like, yeah. literally a mountain of gold. Yeah, exactly. It's, inc it's incredible. Because I would love it if criticisms of me were so minor. <laughs> yes, what? for real. Like, the stuff that we see on YouTube, and it's like... Every day in the We don't win no award for album yeah. of the year or anything like that. And somewhat, you're upset. And again, these are, <laughs> these are criticisms that are not exclusive to female singers. Like, you're a singer, and someone was wondering whether your singing was pitchy. Is it because you're a woman, really? Or is it because that's literally your job and some people are going to be critical? Again, with the co-writer thing, that's one of the... Especially when it comes to pop music, I think people are very critical of pop musicians yeah. not writing their own stuff. It's a bit different, I think, when you go into like maybe like hip-hop or rock. I think performers are more involved in the writing process than pop stars a lot of time. Yeah. But again, this is not... Because you're a woman, I don't know how fully indoctrinated into the whole feminism thing you have to be to hear these things and just think, because woman, especially like you said, if you've just received all of these accolades, like you're trying to paint yourself as the underdog here. In what world is Taylor Swift an underdog? You're like the most universally acclaimed artist and kind of like most mainstream corporate figure that I could possibly think of. In the last 10 years, I have watched as women in this industry are criticized and measured up to each other and picked at for their bodies, their romantic lives, their fashion. Or have you ever heard someone say about a male artist, I really like his songs, but I don't know what it is. There's just something about him I don't like. No. Female artists in music have dominated this decade in growth, streaming, record and ticket sales, and critical acclaim. So why are we doing so well? Because we have to grow fast. We have to work this hard. We have to prove that we deserve this. And we have to top our last achievements. Women in music, on stage or behind the scenes, are not allowed to coast. This kind of reminds me of when Hillary Clinton was running, or even we saw this with uh, people like Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren. People don't really like those women, and they were saying that that's sexism. It's like, maybe... Now, what this reminds me of people is... People just don't like you yeah. <laughs> because of you. Well, when, remember when Hillary Clinton said something about war is the hardest on women because they lose their brothers and fathers? Yeah. 
That's what this is like to me. Yeah, it's, it's like, like women, women are dominating the, the 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 industry. Women yeah. are dominating the industry, but it's because we have to. Yeah, it's not because actually society is actually completely accepting of you and they love your stuff. Yeah, on, as a general. And I think role. like as a, if you are a pop artist, I would imagine it's a much easier thing to be a female pop artist than a male pop artist because I'm just thinking of the the pop stars that I enjoy. They're pretty much entirely female, right? I don't think we see the same. I mean, I guess you have One Direction, but I think. The whole boy band thing is kind of like an You're outlier to, the wrong to guy. yeah, like, probably I'm not the guy to talk to pop artists about. But I, I, you know, yeah, I think it's probably easy to be a female pop artist nowadays. I'm sorry, but that's the way yeah. it is. You know, well, on at that level, of course. Yeah. I don't think artists, as a general rule, have it easy because it's 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 hard. Yeah, a lot it's of a low competition, but it's rate. like yeah. yeah. I mean, if, let's let's say women aren't doing as well in terms of growth as artists. It's because men don't like you. Oh, yeah. now we're doing super well, the most growth, the most accolade. It's because we have to, because society puts all of these expectations on us because we're women. It's like what? And and not only that, but under this entire thing is this this like hidden thought that she has that this she's so much better than everybody else, yeah. right? Because. I have to work this hard. I am this good. In fact, I am this good despite men. Yeah. And I would have gotten this award like the decade before I was born as yeah. well, just by how like, good I am. Not not a lot of, I guess, appreciation for, I guess, her her producers, her co-writers, the, the people yeah. surrounding her. And you do know there's that, that controversy, that one controversy around... Uh, her, her masters, yeah. right? Her masters. And but besides that, I'm sure she's had many good experiences. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And that's kind of the next clip um taylor swift if you're not following the latest taylor swift news there's some controversy surrounding her the rights to her old music yeah and the the way that the music industry works in regard to like records and labels their control of over song rights it's very very convoluted um taylor swift has been a very vocal critic of, of the system which i think is fair um sure. right now she's in i guess like a, a feud over some people who've bought the rights to her old music and she wasn't given the same option of buying those rights to own her actual music. I'm not going to say anything about that specific situation because I don't really know much about it. Um, but I, I think it is fair to say she's had some like struggles with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of musicians will say the system isn't good, but she, she brings up this specific situation in this speech and she does use it to kind of criticize how the industry functions as a whole. But she also brings up, and I quote, like toxic patriarchy and it's like again you you have so much to talk about why put this unnecessary feminist lens on it i don't understand it and let me just say that the definition of the toxic male privilege in our industry is people saying but he's always been nice to me when i'm raising valid concerns about artists and their rights to own their music and of course he's nice to you if you're in this room you have something he needs Yet the most amazing thing was to discover that it would be the women in our industry who would have my back and show me the most vocal support at one of the most difficult times. And I will never, ever forget it. Okay, so there, I guess she's addressing the idea that she has this problem with this one individual, Scooter Braun, I think his name is. Um, she's kind of alleging that he never treated her right. He was also all trying to control her music. Other people are like, oh, but I, I've worked with him. I've never had any problems. That's an example of toxic patriarchy right there. The fact that other people have had differing experiences with someone you don't like. 
And again, like I'm not even saying maybe she is right. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's a complicated it, situation. Yeah, it's, it's just weird to put this gendered lens on it. I don't understand where that's coming from. Uh, absolutely, and just like none of this stuff could be said. Also, if you're the opposite gender, like I'll, I'll remember all the men for sticking up with for me. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of things going on here that are just. I feel like what, the top, what what's happened is that like she's going through this, and it's very very hard to make Taylor Swift again seem like an underdog because she got her first record label or sorry record deal i think when she was 16 and again i'm not saying that she doesn't deserve it she's a good musician in my eyes but like you're you're trying to paint yourself as this person who everyone's tried to destroy and stuff like that it's like i don't know if that's right but i think by trying to say oh because i'm a woman that's that you know you're you can get more sympathy points like that and it's just it's very strange and this is this huge honor i don't know why you would spend the entire time talking about the people who didn't believe in you or who said you couldn't sing that well instead of focusing on all of the you the millions of fans who do support you i don't know it just seemed like a petty seemed petty petty selfish yeah and definitely delusional in my opinion i think so yeah like again like this is just this is not this is not relatable and i don't know what kind of caused this political switch to be flipped on for her i think Maybe but I, I, this I don't might all be know. this might all be false and and you know and if it's not then it definitely seems to be like you know how feminists like this is the initial feminist reaction mm-hmm. it's the white feminism the, that's the first step the next step is woke feminism it's yeah about maybe she's gonna like the next Taylor yeah. Swift album is gonna be way more intersectional she's not just gonna right, talk exactly. about she's gonna talk about like the migrants and the LGBTQ plus actually she's already done that a little bit but yeah maybe she's gonna get more intersectional the next time around but I don't even know if it's gonna equate to more money because like before there were some activists online who were criticizing her for not speaking up like it, taylor swift has said nothing on the, on the new nafta revisions and it speaks volumes it's like what no one no one is waiting like no one is hearing trump speak and saying i wonder what taylor swift is that's not a thing that's happening now that she is getting all this i've seen so much more criticism of her than i actually ever did before i don't think this even is a good way to sell music to like regular I hope, people. I really hope not. You know, I really do hope not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think most people are getting sick of hearing celebrities kind of virtue signal. Yeah, but what is always disappointing is when you see all these artists kind of unanimously being leftist progressives. It's definitely difficult to control the opinions of, of the youth that are growing up listening to that stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. it's all that they... It's, yeah, it they're going to... The it is the culture. There, there are, I'm sure, teenagers out there who are going to listen to Taylor's speech, Taylor Swift's speech and think, yeah, Taylor Swift has it has it bad. She's very oppressed because she is a woman and not kind of realize the irony that's Yeah, she in is there. like literally one of the most privileged people to have ever existed. Yeah, and she also like grew up rich. I think like her father as well. And again, like I'm not saying Taylor Swift shouldn't be rich. She doesn't deserve that. Like I'm not a, a communist who thinks we should just eat, eat, eat her wealth. That's fine. But trying to simultaneously portray yourself as part of an oppressed class when you've achieved levels of fame and success that most people could never even dream of rings a little hollow to me Uh, i think that's pretty much all the time we have for today though so thank you guys so much for tuning in and by the way this is our last show live kind of show like this the hour-long segment of 2019 yes so we will not be back here until 2020 actually yes that's true well it won't be live until 2020 yeah we won't be live until 2020 um Mm. but we hope to see you guys then until next time